This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. Russia continues its advance on several Ukrainian cities this morning. The capital, Kiev, is still in Ukrainian hands, but Russian forces have made gains on much of the country's southern coast. Speaking yesterday on CBS News, Secretary of State Antony Blinken said the West is doing all it can to help Ukraine, including supporting Poland, so that that country can send fighter jets to Ukraine. That gets a green light. In fact, we're talking uh, with uh, our Polish friends right now about what we might be able to do to backfill uh, their needs if, in fact, they choose to provide these fighter jets to, to the Ukrainians. Retired Admiral James Fogo was commander of U.S. Naval Forces for Europe and Africa and a NATO commander based in Italy, and he joins us this morning. Admiral, thanks for being here. Good morning, Rachel. Thank you for inviting me. We hear there Ukraine's been asking for more air power. Do you think these fighter jets that could come from Poland would make a real difference? I do, Rachel. These are uh, probably the MiG-29 or the Sukhoi version of uh, Soviet-era fighter jets. Uh, But the bottom line is uh, the Ukrainian pilots know how to fly them, and I think they've proved themselves to be very proficient uh, to this date. They've had some attrition in their ranks because they've uh, been subject to the attacks by uh, the Russian Air Force on their air bases, and so I think this will uh, help tremendously in the fight. Every action that the U.S. and NATO takes, though, has to be so carefully crafted to anticipate Putin's response. I mean, are you worried how Putin would interpret uh, and react if a NATO member sends fighter jets to Ukraine? Well, uh, yes, I think everybody's worried about that. And uh, the biggest concern in the last few days was President Zelensky's uh, request for a no-fly zone. Um, Everybody was worried about that because uh, First of all, Putin said that a no-fly zone would be an act of war. You know, I know a little bit about no-fly zones having uh, uh, participated in one down in the Libya campaign, and uh, there's two aspects to it. One, you just can't establish it and say it's uh, in effect. You have to go in and uh, take out any enemy air defenses that could possibly threaten NATO or U.S. or, you know, Ukrainian aircraft. That's one. So you're going to put a missile on top of a Russian launcher and kill Russians. Number two is you're going to take out enemy aircraft in the sky. And again, that could be NATO, U.S. or Ukrainians downing Russian uh, aircraft. Uh, That would lead to uh, provocation and altercation between NATO and the United States and Russia. That would lead to World War III. In this case, I think replenishing the ranks with uh, equal equipment is uh, fair game. Certainly the Russians have upped the ante by bringing in mercenaries and by bringing in other countries like Belarus, they're currently operating from there. So I do not see this as something that would uh, lead to an escalation uh, in terms of World War III. Ukraine's President Zelensky has also warned that Russian forces are planning to bomb major defense industry production sites. And many of these are in heavily populated areas. They're not just out there in the hinterlands. At this point, does it surprise you that Russia seems to be targeting areas regardless of potential civilian casualties. I mean, in some instances, we're seeing reports that that civilians who are trying to flee are actually being targeted directly. 
Well, I think it should surprise me, but it does not. Uh, the Russians uh, are ruthless. Uh, they have been that way for a very long time as part of their history. Uh, they certainly uh, took a beating in World War II and gave it back to uh, Germany as they invaded, and those lessons learned have come forward today. They have no due regard <clears throat> for collateral damage. That's the big difference between them and us. We operate our armies, air forces, and navies in the field with ethics and with an eye on morality. They do not. They are bombing uh, civilian areas and uh, large cities and small towns, destroying houses, hospitals, museums, schools. They've killed kids. Uh, they're killing civilians, and they're killing grandmothers and grandfathers. And they're not allowing for a humanitarian evacuation. This is egregious, and it constitutes war crimes. So where does this go then? Uh, you're talking about this uh, this asymmetry. If Russia is behaving, as you just described, as a terrorist organization in some respects, not not playing by the the Geneva Conventions, the rules of war, how how does the U.S. and NATO calculate responses? Well, we have uh, two major objectives in uh, the U.S. and NATO uh, right now. One is support the Ukrainian people in the defense of their territory, and two. Uh, support uh, NATO allies and partners and reinforce the Eastern Bank. So uh, by supporting the Ukrainian people, you've seen an incredible flow of lethal arms. Just last week, the president signed in a $350 billion package. 70% of that stuff has already moved directly from the United States into Ukraine. We've never seen it that fast before. The javelins, the stingers, the mm -hmm. ammunition, they're fighting with that. And so they've got to continue to attrit Russian forces to the point that Russian forces can no longer make these attacks on cities, either with ground forces and tanks and armored personnel carriers or missiles. We, the Ukrainians have got to hold out. We have just a couple seconds. Uh, Russia now has the city of Mariupol in the south, uh, the port city. Do you expect uh, a sea landing uh, or an attack on Odessa? President Zelensky has warned everybody that this will happen. The Russians are perfectly postured to do so with six amphibious assault ships and support ships in the Black Sea. Uh, if they go ashore, those ships will put tanks, troops, armor, artillery ashore. But then they're going to move on to major objectives, which is the cities. Uh, so I see a fight coming, but I see the Ukrainians defending Odessa. Retired Admiral James Fogo commanded U.S. Naval Forces for Europe and Africa. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with its original podcast on investing. Each week, you'll get thoughtful, in-depth analysis of both the stock and the bond markets. Listen today and subscribe at schwab.com slash on investing or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. It's a high-stakes election year, so it's not enough to just follow along. You need to understand what's happening so you are fully informed come November. Every weekday on the NPR Politics Podcast, our political reporters break down important stories and backstories from the campaign trail so you understand why it matters to you. Listen to the NPR Politics Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.